Hello and welcome to Tape Notes, the podcast that looks behind the scenes at the magic of recording and producing music. Every episode we'll be reuniting an artist and producer and talking through some of the highlights from their collaboration in the studio. So join us as we lift the lid on the creative process and the inner workings of music production to see what lies beneath. Hello, my name's John Kennedy, and joining me for this episode of Tape Notes are Eric and Yukimi from Little Dragon to talk about how their album Ritual Union was recorded and produced. Little Dragon are an electronic band from Gothenburg, Sweden, made up of members Yukimi Nagano, Eric Bodin, Frederick Wallin, and Hakan Wirenstrand. The group originally formed back in 1996 in high school when first-year Yukimi met seniors Frederick and Eric and a friendship grew from a shared love of music. The trio would meet up after school to jam and play records by De La Soul, A Tribe Called Quest and Alice Coltrane, and it wasn't long before they made their way into the studio. It was in these early sessions that the band settled on their name, Little Dragon, a nickname Yukimi earned for her fiery outbursts in the studio. The band made their self-titled debut album in 2007, and began a streak of top five dance electronic albums, including Ritual Union in 2011 and Nabooma Rubber Band in 2014, which also earned them a Grammy nomination. Since then, they've added to their discography with Season High and most recently the Lover Chanting EP. Throughout this time, the band have gained the admiration of many fellow musicians, which has led to a series of fantastic collaborations with other artists, including Gorillaz, Subtract, Catronada, and Bad Bad Not Good, amongst others. Today, I'm joined by Eric and Yukimi to talk about how Ritual Union was recorded and produced, and what better way to start that conversation than by hearing something from the record. It is Shuffle a Dream, Little Dragon from the album Ritual Union, and we're now in sync, linking up, holding hands across the internet. Can you hear me? Hello. <laughs> um, I can see into your studio there, Yukimi and Eric, um, into the room yes. that you've been based in in Gothenburg for five, six years, I think. Yeah, at yeah, least. Yeah, yeah. And before that, we were downstairs in the same building mm. um, since two thousand and. Two actually, yeah, right. Wow, so we're very attached yes. to this studio, this space, this house. Mm. <laughs> so, downstairs of where you're sat now is where you recorded Ritual Union, yeah, yes, the, the whole record. You didn't go to any other outside places to do any bits of tweaking or anything no. like that. No, no, I think we pretty much did everything there, yeah, we did, yeah. I love that consistency that's clearly part of the little dragon magic, I think. You just stick to things, um, you've got a nice setup, uh, why change mm. it? And it yeah. works, you know. Yeah. No changes ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but it is kind of like a safe space for us. It's one of those... Oasis. More, yeah, you, you, you can make all the worst songs ever without anybody ever hearing them. 
and every now and then some gems as well so yeah it's like everything's allowed here mm. yeah that's great so and the rent is cheap so there's no stress or any pressure right that is probably the key, <laughs> key yeah, issue, it isn't is. it? yeah 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 we're lucky so if we go back um to the time just before ritual union so this was the third little dragon album um mm. and approaching that record thinking about writing new songs for a new album where do you think you were at um, as people, as a band? Um, was there a pressure with a third record? You know, people were starting to take notice. You were internationally known by this stage. Um, yeah, well, I think that we were very much in a space where we were just like super focused and looking forward. It was in the mix of um, our feature with the Gorillaz. If it was one of those albums that we wrote without even reflecting because, you know, sometimes you have more time. And, you know, we've had albums like Nabuma where we really took our time and really, you know, analyzed, sometimes even overanalyzed things. And Ritual Union was one of those albums that we just like, bam, 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 we did it. And uh, me and Fred were off on tour with uh, the Gorillas, and I think Eric and Hawkan drove over right in between tours to go mix the album so we were like being um i don't know overproductive like mm -hmm. uh, almost about to crash because <laughs> we were just like going 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 um mm -hmm. but but in in a way looking back at it all i think that sometimes not you know overthinking things can be good you know it's just something that just so now it just feels like it just happened in in the mix of everything else that was happening at that time mm, yeah momentum was the was the key word <laughs> yeah i think momentum was a word that kept coming up uh, yeah <laughs> gotta keep the momentum that was <laughs> like a mantra keep the momentum yeah, keep yeah, the yeah. momentum <laughs> oh yeah i was gonna say in, in comparison to the the records before the self-titled first one was very much demos that we wanted to finish up before they got released, but then they got released sort of as demos. And uh, it took us many years to actually digest that, you know, that it was demos. But uh, so for the second album, Machine Dreams, we wanted to make everything right. And we got a friend who mixed for us and we really focused so much on the production. And then, as Yukimi said, on the third one, we, we were just, going mm. it was a beautiful mix of demos and uh, full steam ahead and full steam ahead um yeah just to paint the picture of where we came from uh, production wise with the mm. previous albums yeah yeah that's interesting mm. so we're going to look at three songs from the ritual union album and the first one we're going to look at is the title track ritual union because i think you were just telling me that this was really the one of the first songs for the record well, it was definitely the first song on the record, at least. Uh, <laughs> I think it's it's quite blurry for us. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I have a one of my um, problems of the many problems is that my memory is so foggy. <laughs> so any details, I'm just uh, saying. Um, excuse me beforehand. <laughs> it might not be accurate, but um, yeah. But I, I think a lot of the songs that were made for that album if they were made with with real drums it would start with real drums it would be a, right. a i would play for four or five minutes and uh, basically get a groove first and then trying to figure out what is the tempo so that i could run into the other room and find the bpm and then play along to a click sort of just to keep me 
<laughs> in the to not go overboard with the tempo so stick to the you know to the tempo and uh, and it's also a track that's like very sparse mm. very very sparse it's, there's not a hundred different layers of um instruments and and uh, sounds on it it's kind of just what it is and i think that's kind of what um also is why it's a strong song it just kind mm. of speaks for itself it doesn't need it's not definitely not overproduced and and I don't know. I feel um, like you can count on your ten fingers how many <laughs> tracks. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I think it's ten tracks or yeah. something. <laughs> right. I think we should have a, a quick blast of Ritual Union, the finished version, uh, before we take it apart and dismantle it, um, and mm. and how it and hear how it all began. So here's a quick blast of the finished version of Ritual Union by Little Dragon. So that is the full version of Ritual Union by Little Dragon. Now we're going to yes. take it apart. So it began with the drums, <laughs> Eric. Yeah, it did. Be- it began with the drums and they sounded something like this. So it's, uh, I think, in my world, this was kind of like a... I don't know how to say it, but more like a 60s soul groove, you know... Shake your hip, shake, or shake <laughs> yeah. it, shake it, shake it, twist and shout, twist and shout. I think I was, I was very much uh, enjoying those sort of rhythms, you know, that were um, just to get out of, because I was very much into hip hop, so everything is slow when it's uh, hip hop. I feel compared to this, this I don't know the BPM of this, but I kind of took it up a bit and went. Uh, yeah, old school with it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I usually record drums and then mess about with the... Because, yeah, if we hear it again, it's... This is how they all sounded. Then I, I added uh, delay. So it's diggy-diggy-diggy-diggy-diggy-diggy-diggy on the hi-hat. Mm. I think that's where we we started. Mm-hmm. We started around there. And so, uh, would you then play just that drum pattern to the rest of the band and look for ideas from other people at that point, or would you wait and add some more to it before you shared? I think Eric was definitely in his bubble with this one yeah. for quite some time. Sometimes I think that you get so drawn into. I I can tell the guys get so drawn into the music that it it uh, sometimes goes too far before it's you know shared (laughs) where it's nearly done Mm. but i think yeah i know i know both of the guys added some some layers yeah Yeah. but i think after the drums were there 
I'm sure Yukimi was around in one way or another. I think what we added was this uh, sound. It's like a 80s Roland uh, keyboard. Right. And we we just uh, added bass frequencies to it, so it became the bass line as well. So with the drums... I think it was somewhere here that Yukimi started mm. feeling vocal ideas. Right. I think. Yeah, it's it's nice to to get once you get vocals down, even if it's very sparse, even if you just have a um, bassline and drums, you can kind of build a whole structure of a song. Yeah. If you have vocals. Yeah. You know, just two different parts or whatever. So, I like I like putting vocals down before there's too much. Yeah. Um, too many layers. Yeah. And so, would you just hum a, a melody line, or would you actually sing specific words and then change those words afterwards? Um, I usually always hum. You know, make up. Yeah. You just make up stuff and mm. you record that, or just sit with it and. And sometimes I sit with it for quite some time. I don't remember exactly, but I think that this was one of those songs where it just flowed and came very like fast to me. Yeah. Um, but because uh, I don't remember sitting with it, you know, sitting with the track for a long time. So sometimes I, it's one of those moments that's just so direct. Um, you feel the music that you sit for a couple hours and blah, 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 write down all the words, <laughs> yeah. record it, and that's it. And then that's yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what are the words about? So were you going through a particular crisis? At, at the time I'm kind of always going through a crisis <laughs> but this particular one um, I guess was uh, definitely you know sort of reflecting on my relationship and uh, and where I was at and um, patterns in my life and and uh, yeah it's it's kind of like a usually say when we play it li live you know uh, any uh, you know are there any lovers out there tonight? And I say, this song is not for you because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's about love, but it's not a love song in that way. It's great. Sometimes, you know, we have people be like, oh, I, I, I wanted to, you know, to have ritual union on my wedding day. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's not what it's about for me. But I also appreciate that, that people can kind of, you know, um, not read the lyrics, not yeah. saying, but sometimes, uh, you know, interpret it however they mm. want to. So yeah. I, I like that about a lot of our, our music, that it, it becomes personal and it doesn't have to, you know, it's not always super direct. Yeah. But for me, it's a bit of a bitter love song. Yeah, yeah. because sometimes when I listen to it, I've got this uh, movie in my mind where, you know, you, you're in the church or in the in the white dress about to get married having second thoughts right. thinking no no and then walking out you know is that kind of <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what, what i like about it also and i i you know i kind of enjoy doing this when i write as well that sometimes when the music is very um 
you know, uh, light and happy. It's nice to write, you know, have the words be more, you know, melancholy. So uh, it kind of, you know, adds an element to the whole mm. the whole thing. Yeah. I definitely remember. I remember Richie Union being early in the writing of the song, the, the two words, Ritual right. Union. Mm. We, of course, we have that boing sound. That's what we added when you were starting humming, I think. So it started sounding like... Ritual Union's got me traveling. That boing. Yeah, what is that sound? That's a, it's a Roland synth. Uh, it's the D50 Roland. It, I think it's like... Roland's flagship from 1986 or something. <laughs> it costed five million pounds to buy. It. No, I don't think so. But uh, it's definitely it's it's the Roland equivalent of uh, Yamaha DX7, which also was like a a new era that began. Yeah, but you you're, you're picking up that equipment after that era. No, so are you picking yeah, it up? Yeah, exactly. Are you picking it up cheaply, or are you seeking it out because it's on one of your favorite albums of all time? Uh, I think we were broke, so <laughs> and uh, I think it, it fitted well to our budget. But uh, also, there is a lot of we grew up in the eighties, so I think we realized afterwards how this is very sentimental for us. These are sounds from our childhood, sort mm. of the eighties sounds, and uh, you realize when you play this keyboard that they are so filled with amazing sounds that some sound technician in in a synth factory made in the 80s probably put hours and hours and hours to it and really changed the whole soundscape of the of our childhood <laughs> yeah yeah uh, never um, underestimates uh, cheap synths no they have many times so much to give i feel there's a, a coldness and a and also a lot of soul, weirdly enough. Yeah, into, yeah. Into well, the and there's a, yeah. a great warmth to them as well. I mean, it's interesting as a band because you all do many different things. You know, you might have official hats uh, for official yeah. jobs, but um, you know, Eric, you're playing drums, but you're actually working out many other things. You know, using electronics mm. and using keyboards, and you you all are really. And having seen yeah. you say, you know, you, you've done sessions for my radio show and seen you bring in the equipment and then, you know, adjust according to the situation. And because you really, yeah. all all of you know the capabilities of all these different little boxes that, um, boxes of magic yeah, yeah. is how yeah, I, yeah. As, a, as an ignorant non-musician, <laughs> sees them. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and then it all comes out and it sounds amazing. And that's why it's interesting to be able to hear these sounds isolated and ask yeah. you specifically, you know, what is that? Um, yeah. And, because you've got to do a lot of exploration of, of these pieces of equipment to find these sounds, haven't you? You know, it's not as if you... Yeah. I mean, while the act of just pressing a button elicits a sound, mm. you know, there's so much more to it to finding the right sound for your song. Yeah, definitely. Right. The first step, basically, when you find a sound is often to switch off the reverb that came originally with the sound. Because I feel with the 80s synth, they added a lot of reverb, and that's why the synth sounds so 80s, is because of the reverb. When you take the reverb out of it, and it's just a dry sound, then you then you can listen to it very, almost like under a microscope, and you hear how complex it is, and it becomes more timeless, I feel. It, it will fit into any situation. Mm. 
And to take off that reverb, can you do mm. that on the actual instrument itself, or do you have to e record it? Yeah, and that's then when you have to. No, that's when you have to um, ask Hokan, who is the real synth nerd. Hey, Hokan, how do you switch off the reverb? And he <laughs> will, because you know it's it's usually. Yeah, how would you describe the the display of the keyboard? You know, it's it's like a one centimeter tall and ten centimeters wide little space with digital letters, and there are you know menus, and you have to scroll and you have to find reverb on or off. You know, and then <laughs> and then the the buttons themselves might be worn out, so you have to press really hard or you have to you know do your tricks. So <laughs> yeah. It's um I stay out of there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, momentum, momentum. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, I mean we've heard a few different elements within Ritual Union um so yeah. far. Um yeah. what else was added next? I think Fred added like a melody yeah. part. Um it was the vocals that were added first, and the vocals, I would say. Yeah. It it started sound like uh, if you can it sounds like Ritual unions have gotten me in trouble again. So we're like, wow, oh yes, this is something. I mean, we were already... We were excited about it. It was <laughs> yeah. five minutes after recording the vocals. So, okay, we could listen to that for hours, yes. of course. Yeah. But uh, since Yukimi had such a drive, you started writing a, a, a verse as well. I think that's we had the bass line, we had the elements that you heard, you know, these. Love's sinking in the sand, petals falling under With the, the drums. Yeah. It's funny hearing it because I don't think I I don't ever really listen to our uh, music after it gets released. Yeah, and it's like I have I have the kind of hear it in my head how it's been sung live, and then you hear it in a recording, and it's like, oh, is that how I was saying it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's interesting, Eric, because you pointed out that the original drum beat you, we, we, you were trying to channel a kind of sixties uh, beat yeah. groove, and and hearing yeah. it. Just then reminded me of of Hey Ya by Outcast in a way, which which yeah, has yeah. a similar approach. Because it, I yeah. kind of thought of that now for the first time, yeah. as well as you're saying that. Me yeah. too. I mean, Jakey, I've been listening Jakey. to the song yeah. for you know eight nine years or <laughs> 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 yeah, 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 yeah. And it's yeah. like I'd never seen that connection, but um, right. yeah. But because you pointed it out, we were in a, yeah, we were in a, a few years after we were in a studio in Atlanta, at, actually in Stanconia where Heya was made and doing some sessions with Big Boy. And uh, there were some, another producer there. He was like, oh yeah, the Richie Unit is such a like doo-wop or, uh, or Motown sounding. Also, it's like, oh yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, we didn't even know. No, I was cool. just after the energy of it. And yeah. That was it's, the tempo of the 60s, I suppose. Yeah, But it's funny yeah. because when we write, we never really reflect on... Now, it's not until you kind of do interviews or, you know, you are preparing to release an album or whatever that you kind of, okay, well, in our case, you know, I guess it's different from, from artist to artist, but, mm. but we're so like in the sonics of the music, we're not really thinking about what it is, you know, in, in words or anything, but um, 
you know, in the aftermath of things, you kind of like, okay, wait, what is this sound mm. actually, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But so I don't think we were reflecting on that at all when we were writing no. the song at yeah. the time. Just getting excited by each new thing that you developed and created. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, yeah uh, but yeah, then yeah, at, yeah. at what point did you think, actually, we've got enough there. We don't need to add any more. A little bit too early, perhaps. <laughs> maybe at this stage, I mean, we had, we had these tracks uh, that you hear. Uh, we added some, uh, a little bit of riffs, maybe that sounded... Yeah, I think that's what so, can, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's quite, it's, it's really, it's just two fingers uh, falling, uh, tumbling on the keys. <laughs> and then whole, uh, Fred's thing, where's that? Yeah, Fred, uh, he did something similar in the end. I think what we've we we realized that or I think Hawken and Fred I think they both felt oh there is a natural space here for another instrument to sort of comment mm. on Yukimi's vocals. And it really feels like that's what it is. Yeah. So, so uh, those are reactions to Yukimi, the sound of Yukimi's vocals. You know, try, trying yeah. to add a, a few extra little textures or colors to complement. Yeah, what right. Yeah, yeah singing. exactly. Yeah, well, it, like I mean, it does it so well. It sounds sounds fantastic. <laughs> but of course, we did. Uh, there's the a track called Magic World, which is probably four different tracks from different synths that Hawkan played on. That is more of a solo. It sounds like. Yeah. You know, very atmosphere. Yeah, he's very, very good at those sort of foresty, angelic, or fairy tale. Uh, it's the beard. Yeah, yeah. it's the beard, definitely. <laughs> Some sure, I mean, has he has he done solo releases? I mean, that sounds like it would be a a nineties chill out classic. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, we're encouraging him definitely. Yeah, yeah. I so, think we all somehow have some sort of hidden urge to make solo mm. projects uh, absolutely yeah. yeah yeah that makes sense you know i think it would be <laughs> but i think yeah. there's a, an understated quality to what little dragon do um you, you don't try and um hard sell any aspect of the music you know you're not pushing it in our mm. faces um which yeah. can be the case with with some groups can't it yeah like somebody said, we're always on the verge of being excellent. Sort of, we're always so close <laughs> to the actual breakthrough, <laughs> but, we, but we'll never get there. Yeah. No, but, but it's uh, it's. I think it's just a lot of pressure as well. You know, like these days, uh, it's so easy to get sort of wrapped up in a kind of anxiety of you know um, trying to push forward in this big 
enormous ocean of music that's all over the place. And mm. there's a kind of, it's easy to get lost in, in that sort of desperate anxiety. And I think for us, luckily, because we're also a group, you know, you kind of, we've been pulling each other down on, on the ground when we get sort of, uh, you know, like, okay, we really need this now. Hold on, hold on. Music first. You know, mm. the music is really the most important thing for us. So, yeah. so yeah, we, we don't want to compromise on that ever. Yeah. yeah. So how, how quick do you think the process of recording and creating Ritual Union, the track, was? Um, because you've made it all look really simple. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think that, it, like, just uh, through sort of the whole evolution of the band, you know, there have been so many times where we've been, like, banging our heads in the wall, you know, just sort of feeling like, oh, we're going to break up, or this is just, you know, we have all these these um, sort of invisible... Um, barriers that are making it impossible to move forward but that being said you know you also have those moments where things just flow and it's maybe not as uh, often but ritual union is one of those albums that um yeah it just really came so naturally and it feels weird to say that because that's kind of what you look for every you know every mm -hmm. time you write you want to you want to step into that zone and and we still do um, but you just never know when it's going to come. Mm. You can't predict. It's, you know, it's unpredictable. So it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, looking back on that album, it just feels like, yeah, it, it was what, what it was, and we weren't even aware of it at the time, you know, how it just came. Yeah. So, I mean, it could be <laughs> anything from a week, you know, starting with the drums and having lyrics, you know, and, and uh, sort of the riff and the boing sound, and then... It will take maybe a month or so before Fred and Hawken have been involved with it, and then it can take forever until it's done. Yeah, uh, but so I guess. But I, we were under pressure this time, so it yeah. went quickly. Yeah, uh, it's, it's one of those. Yeah, it's like I, I just don't want to make it sound like you know it's always easy, but but it was easy for that album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But also, I, you clearly felt you had to make a decision as well. So you're going to think, right, actually, mm. no, we're on top of that one. That is coming together nicely. We can then move on to another song. I mean, do, do you work yeah. simultaneously on different tracks all the time or do you prefer to you know, get one sorted out and then move on? We try to make like ideas constantly mm. um, every day. Yeah. You know, write, write at least a song a day. And don't even have too much pressure on if it's think too much about if it's uh, what it is, you know, is it good? Is it bad? Mm. Doesn't even matter. Just write a song a day. And sometimes, uh, yeah, I think this was in, we were in that mode, you know, so you may be right you, in a couple of weeks, you may be right, you know, somewhere around 10 songs and then, mm. and then maybe two of them are gems, maybe three, you never know. Mm. Yeah. Maybe mm. not. There's <laughs> definitely some, I think there is a strategy we have that we sort of the first thing you do when you get into the studio is start with something new rather than get into the headache of the last project. Right. Because <laughs> once your creativity sort of have been flowing for a while and you've been... Because making music and beats and melodies is, is very much a curious thing. Uh, you don't want to analyze anything or be hard on yourself. So you're already kind of in a good mindset if you've been flowing a bit before you start be a bit more analytical with the the music from yesterday sort of right uh, 
Yeah. yeah, it's like two different two different head spaces. But I think that when you're writing, you're so wrapped up into your feelings. You know, it's like yeah, whatever you're feeling at the moment. But I think the most important thing for us is just, you know, um, no matter what we feel, you could feel like not even inspired at all. Just write a song anyway. Maybe two days later, you listen to it and it's blowing your mind. It's just yeah. so we've <laughs> always, we keep trying to find some kind of like recipe for the magic. But um yeah, it seems in our case that the recipe is, yeah, you just, you got to keep trying and then you will never, ever, ever find the tricks, you know? Yeah. You just, yeah, got to jump in and um, see what happens. Be kind yeah. to yourself. Yeah, definitely be kind to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Still learning that one. Yeah. These are these are great strategies, though. I, I think a lot of people would take a lot from that. The idea to, you know, create something new, go in and start something new, uh, do a, try and do a song a day, you know, and then, mm. and then return to them and evolve them later. But uh, tap into that uh, initial curiosity, as you were saying, and yeah. that, that kind of creative uh, spirit that is driving right. um, you in the first place. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. You may have heard us talk about Tape It before, and if you haven't, then let me fill you in, as they are the sponsor of today's episode with a fantastic offer for you. Tape It is an iPhone recording app made by musicians for musicians. Many of our guests on Tape Notes, music industry friends and listeners rely on voice notes to record their early ideas. People like the Lumineers, Ezra Collective and Fred again have all shared recordings with us made on voice notes. But what you wouldn't have heard are the long pauses where they're searching for those recordings. We wouldn't want to put you through that. As you can understand, organising and finding the right notes, let alone a specific part, can be a nightmare. Tape It solves all of that voice memo chaos with intuitive labelling features, including automatic instrument detection, markers and collaborative mixtapes, meaning you can share band practices, organise set lists and brainstorm ideas with co-writers and band members. Plus, you can record straight from your lock screen and attach text and photo notes to each recording. One of our favourite features within Tapeit Pro is that you can record in stereo using two microphones along with gentler dynamic compression to give a much more natural sound than any of the usual apps. It's a huge upgrade to the microphone and all-round audio quality. It really helps support the podcast whenever you engage with our sponsors. So if Tapeit sounds like an app you'd use, then do us a favour. Pause the episode, head to the link in a recent episode show notes, or visit tape.it forward slash tape notes and give tape it a go. That's tape.it forward slash tape notes. You can download for free or use the promo code tape notes for 50% off tape it pro. Thank you. And now on with the show. Did you do it? Honestly, Tape It is fantastic. All of the Tape Notes team members are complete converts. And excitingly, some of our guests have started to use it as well. So I really would recommend checking it out. I think we should move on to another song on the record. So Little Man is one of the songs that you had selected to to examine uh, with this kind of yeah. scrutiny. Um, yeah. In contrast to Ritual Union, which came quite easily, it seems. Was Little Man like that or was it different? Oh, Oh, I mean, <laughs> the final version of Little Man came quite easy, but it was a bit of a, a one of the first time. I if I play you how Little Man started, you would probably sense that there was a journey to it. If you want to play Little Man, just so you hear hear the song, so you get some perspective on. Yeah, that's a good idea, Eric. So we'll have a blast of Little Man now, um, as it is on the record. 
and then we can yeah. we can go back and unravel um, yeah. <laughs> the mystery. Yeah. So this uh, this sound for me is sort of this is how it sounds when the Smurfs are <laughs> playing their sixties music. Yeah, you know it's uh, it's very Smurfy. It's very fast. Very that's a small small kick drum. That's how the Smurf drum kit sounds. It's just bass, it's drums, bass, and that melody. And uh, basically, same recipe as Richard Union. Bass. Sparse. Yeah, sparse. Mm. Bass, melody, vocals, drums, and then a few comments from other instruments. I think I think sometimes these days you can get lost in just overworking songs too, adding layers and adding things and as so many times where we've written written music where we have to like, okay, you know what? We took it this far, but let's take it back all the way to like <laughs> the first four elements that makes the song. And yeah, it's often the case that you gotta strip things down to to sort of um Remind yourself of the essence of what yeah. it, what the song is, and not get lost in the layers and yeah. what it needs, and it needs this, and it needs that. And sometimes you think just adding, adding, adding stuff is going to make it more dynamic, but actually taking everything away can be the most dynamic mm. thing, yeah, to do for a song. And I think uh, that kind of shows in a lot of music that we like too. It's just you know sometimes five tracks. <laughs> It's yeah. good to also remind yourself that you're eventually going to play this live, so you're already doing yourself a big favor by stripping <laughs> down the instruments. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so to show you, these are the drums for Little Man. Right. You know, it's a... Uh, That's the tambourine that you hear on Little Man as well, and the claps and everything. So this is... So this has a kind of Stevie Wonder type feel. Right. <laughs> this is, a, a for me, when I hear it now, because I, of course, brought up the stems for this radio interview right now, but listen to these drums, I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great drummer. I wonder who he was. <laughs> no, but uh, we that it started like that, and then... We actually added bass and their vocals, but I'm not going to play them, but uh, let's see here. But it's very interesting because it's such a completely different groove, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's 
So this is the the take one of of the song. <laughs> yeah, it's the and I, the song that didn't become the yeah. song. Yeah. You had some sort of melody. Oh, now I kind of recognize yeah. it a little bit. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm, ama- I'm intrigued. So how did you get from that to Little Man? <laughs> yeah, I think I think once we it was just drums first and then I think somehow there's also this thing when you start a new project you have to name it something. So yeah. I guess I was crossed. I don't know if we are meant to swear on this program, but it, you can I swear. It, we, we, we'll yeah. give you permission. <laughs> Instead of, because if like many times when you're annoyed at something, I think the root is that you're annoyed with yourself. I suppose it's a lack of self-love. But uh, <laughs> I think the the thing I was dwelling on was my hatred for Stockholm. I actually love Stockholm. It's a beautiful city, but for some reason I felt like it symbolized the darkness of pop music and uh, you know like to break through and you know that's where the palace is that's where the royalties are that's where all these max martins yeah it's it's a very unfair place how can you be born to be a king you know we are all kings you know and blah 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 so i named the project instead of stockholm i named it fuck home (laughs) so (laughs) and i think by doing that, I sort of cursed the track, I suppose. Right. Because it was, it was an aggressive <laughs> angle. <laughs> it was an overconfident <laughs> angle. Uh, so that, what we just heard with the melodies that you keep me remember, that track was called Fuck Home. And it didn't really move. Yes, yeah, <laughs> like many of our ideas, you know. Some, yeah. some, they just stay in the computer and they are buried down yeah. deep. And uh, yeah, I would have never, ever had heard that if we didn't bring that up right yes. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, we, we had the drums and we were not happy with where it was going. But uh, I, I started, this is the, the way the drum sounds again, you know. And I, I found the edit button where you can speed up things. So that's when it started sounding... The Smurf. <laughs> so this is this is the drums for Little Man. With the claps and the tambourine and And of course, yeah, here we're back in the you know <laughs> Twist a Child. Twist a Child. I think I think we were got we wanted energy. I think that's yeah. what, what the original track was lacking, maybe. It was a bit laid back and it was we felt maybe that was a bit too cool, and it was called "fuck home" after all. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, this had almost like a comical, definitely comical vibe to it. But I think that's something that yeah we we embrace. We yeah. embraced it, but I think it does. It does have a, a kind of comedic feel to it, and that, in a way, is a nice contrast to the words where you know you're kind of attacking someone, but instead. You're kind of playfully poking fun at them um, yeah, via right. the music. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well put, I think. I mean, that's kind of where my head was at as well. And also just being in the music industry where, you know, you see all these sort of cliches of artists who have everything and that's kind of the picture that we're fed. And, you know, and I just feel like all these big egos and, you know... Uh, 
male artists in particular. And I was just like, you're just a little turd. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but but uh, yeah. yeah, and that kind of inspired yeah. inspired me, gave me some fuel to um, uh, write write the song. That was kind of the 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 images, the story that I wanted to tell, you know, I was just tired of also uh, me also, you know, listening to a lot of different R and B and stuff and this sort of, um, uh, sometimes culture of just like bragging about everything you have, um, felt really sort of, um, just like a, a broken record that you kept hearing. Like, I love the music and the voices. And then it was just like, it was just bragging. It's just, I don't know. It, it kind of disturbed me a little bit that Noah was thinking like, what could I say as an artist? You know, that'd be interesting. And so mm. I wanted to poke fun at that, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mm. I think the the drums maybe sparked a little something with the... Yeah, the whole little Smurf vibe. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we added the... That was like a, a riff that went underneath all the time. That's a little seasick yeah. vibe to it. And then the bass. Uh... And the bass sound, uh, we distorted it as, as well and had another track. Same bass line. It's definitely like a, um, I don't know how to put this, but it's like a, it, it appealed to us, but it was ugly at the same time. Kind of like yeah. had a little bit of a punk vibe, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know, a Devo and stuff like that. Devo, there, definitely there. Devo, and we added the melody. So the melody was already there, actually, mm. and you were, hey, let me let me sing something with that melody. These days, also, people are really like, well, at least in the sort of pop world that's more conservative, you know, it's a lot about, okay, there's a chorus and a pre-chorus and a verse and then the pre-chorus and then the bridge and then the chorus, <laughs> double chorus and then end. And there's this kind of recipe, but I think we've always liked the... Uh, instruments to say something and when for example you know a, a lot of sort of older music where a melody you can sing along to you know whether that is a guitar or a yeah. synth or whatever can be just as catchy as pre-chorus or a bridge you know it doesn't have to be vocals um yeah 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 and it can be nice to take that rest from the vocals and have something else step out and say something uh, with the sound yeah like you did with the You want everything instantly, mm. <laughs> and it's 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 great uh, contrast that the, the the melody's the same, but because it's sung by 
your voice, Yukimi. You know, it has a, a completely different feel to the, the mm. kind of harshness of the melody and the way it's played right. on that keyboard, you know. So, you know, it has a lovely, you know, soft feel to it. And then it's contrasted yeah. with the, the actual melody that came first, you know, um, yeah. ties in with that comedic, super speedy smurfy uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, feel. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. I think that's definitely to your advantage also that you you have such a dynamic, you have a range from very low to very high. And I don't know, you just have a, a relationship with your voice that you can do pretty much anything and you can be silky, very smooth. And by being smooth and silky, you can also hide, like for this instance, the lyrics of Little Man, I feel are, you really... Tuck them in. Yeah, you're really <laughs> teasing people, poking the little man who wants everything instantly and is stressed out about success mm. uh, I like that kind of just like you said with happy songs it's nice to have melancholic mm. elements to them right. it's with the smoothness it's nice to have a bit of anger hidden or whatever mm. it is yeah well and there's a lot of bite in little man I think yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's interesting I'm mean, hearing the instrumental like that it, I think you could have a brass marching band version of that. I think it would work <laughs> yeah, really, yeah, really yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Smurf. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose yeah. so. Yeah. Small little, little drums. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. No, I mean, and to go from yeah. fuck home to little man, yeah. um, but somehow yeah. still still holding the the essence of that thought, that idea of, <laughs> right. of the, the Gothenburg separation and distance. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But also compa- then widening that out to the, the, the bigger world of music and the, the world of mm. hip-hop and R&B, where this swagger, this braggadocio, you know, it's, it's so commonplace. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, and then mm. doing it in the, the special little dragon way. No, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's almost uh, like, you know, because, because you're quite admired by a lot of hip-hoppers and R&Bers, you know, and, and they might not realise that actually you're, you're having a go. No, you're... you're <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I'm. I mean, I'm a fan mm. of of uh, a lot of R and B and and uh, hip hop as well. A big fan, so that's one of my biggest inspirations. But I also have to, you know, sort of as a half Japanese Swede, uh, have my own take on it. You know, <laughs> um, I'm not from Brooklyn, and you know, you know, you got to sort of put your own life and and ideas and thoughts and essence, and try to make your own uh, voice and be as genuine as you can be and inspired and i think it's easy to sort of want to sound and say what's being said and forget that uh, you have your own stories mm-hmm. because uh, out of just you know awe and respect for for the the really good music and that's out there already you know trying to sort of imitate that um too much so yeah i think it's something that i've learned from the guys too you know sort of um take it all in all the inspiration all the stuff that you like and then sort of twist it around and make your own um story mm. heard yeah and when you're singing yukimi what kind of space do you like singing in um you know i'm looking at you in your studio and the two of you just sat in front of a couple of microphones you've got instruments behind you and you know it's all at your fingertips in a way but would you prefer to be mm. singing behind a curtain or <laughs> or you know do you need um, to sing in a certain kind of room to capture the sound of of that uh, vocal as well well we have a sort of in a homemade way i say we but, but it's <laughs> eric in this room in particular he's uh, kind of sound isolated it so less trams in the vocal mic 
Um, but I don't really have anything, um, you know, sort of in particular that I feel like I need when I'm recording the vocals. Just And that's another thing that's strange. There's so many times where I've put vocals down and I'm thinking, oh, I can do it better. And I re-record and re-record it. And then the first take is still the best. So it's hard to know what that little difference is that you capture with a vocal take. Um, yeah, it could be that that little cold you have is giving it an extra sort of um, a texture in your voice that when you record it, it you know, it, it sounds great. Mm. Um, or just that day, or you had an extra nerve in your sort of energy that shines through and on the vocal take. So it's also one of those things I'm still learning, like, to have a little perspective in the sense that you never know which take is the best one because, you know, even though I always feel like I could do it better, sometimes you sort of, with a little perspective, be like, okay, well, that first one is it. You know, after a few days, I was like, that has the vibe. I'm, I'm trying to get something now. I'm forgetting that. So, yeah, I, I think I think more about that than the actual practical sort of uh, surroundings of recording the vocals. Yeah. Catching the nerve or the feeling that I'm trying to convey, I guess. Yeah, interesting. So, in contrast, from Little Man to Crystal Film, which is yes. the next song we're going to look at. And this is yes. uh, quite different, you know. So, there's this lovely, playful, comedic aspect to Little Man. Um, and Crystal mm-hmm. Film's more, more moody, isn't it? Um, and it takes Indeed. quite a long time to, to get going. There's this long intro. Yeah. 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 This, this uh, song started on Fred's uh, computer and it has a bit of a mantra sort of um, repetitiveness to it that um, I found easy to get lost into in a good way. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that, that it just sort of yeah, that little loop um, put me in a space, I guess. Mm. And uh, um, I think that that a lot of the songs that that come out of Fred's computer have that kind of moody essence to it. You know, we're all different, and I think that's also what makes the band in a way. You know, everyone. Um, while Eric maybe has a harder time making sad songs, you know, we have, it's not a problem because we have um, two other guys who uh, make plenty of moody, melancholy songs. And we kind of complement each other in that way. And hence why the sort of contrast of the songs on the album are quite, you know, they just vary a lot. So, mm. yeah. No, I just, um, this song definitely drew me in. And it's also... Um, Love-related lyrics, um, but also about things going on in my life at the time. And I think uh, I wanted to paint a picture without being too specific and describe what I was feeling somehow um, in a way that would make people be able to apply that to their own lives without being like, this is exactly what's what's happening. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And Fred unlocked that really by coming up with that line that we've just been listening to um, which is interesting isn't it how how you know we can get um enveloped in these sounds and you know they can 
bring up those thoughts and ideas that we might have buried down inside of us, but then they come up to the fore at that particular moment that you're trying to try and find something that would go with it and then and then you're you're spilling your guts <laughs> yeah well, yeah, it's, it's the it. best no. thing it's the best thing in the world like you know playing live can be great and when it's great but this is like my ultimate high when you're when you're in the zone and you're vulnerable and and you know you're not even thinking about who's going to hear it or if it's going to be on an album or anything like that it's just like you're just there and okay i, I think i got it let's record it you know and and you're you're open and and uh, yeah, like you said, spilling it all out, and um, mm. it's just such a rush mm. to do that, and to also be unafraid, you know, you turning that little voice um, down, the saying, "Is it good or is it bad?" or you know, just being like, "This is right now. I'm about to record this, and I feel very vulnerable about it, but I'm I'm just you know, let's just do it." Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. And at what um, stage of development was the rest of the song when you recorded the vocal then? Um, were you just responding to what we have just heard or had other things already been added? Yeah, I think that was pretty much it. I mean, like, once again, I think it's, it's fun to write to hardly anything. You know, I think even on the first album I wrote, Test on just drums. It had, like, no melodies. So, <laughs> it, it, I don't know. I find it interesting to be as... Um, sort of challenged as possible with what I'm writing to and try to create a song and parts out of nothing sometimes. Yeah. But then the next question is then how do you augment that to complement that and enhance it, but without ruining it? Yeah. I, yeah. That's a hard one. I think, well, I mean, in the riff here, is this, he's just playing the ding, 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 ding with his right hand and the, that little so Fred is very for me he's I mean he's a he's very groovy so to say he's a we we went to same class in high school when we were 16 years old we met each other for the first time and he played the bass I played the drums and it was uh, when you play drums or you play bass I think you're constantly looking for your drummer or your bass mate basically we were very deep into like jazz and funk and both of us so i've never really met somebody like that who was that passionate about music who were devoted to play bass for five hours a day and and then listen to records the rest of the day (laughs) you know while other people might have been playing soccer or football or ping pong or being very good at math yeah we were all about music uh i mean just listening to this riff sort of i i can even see how he was standing how he would move his hip basically he always he has this swag when he's playing (laughs) that you don't necessarily see on stage unless you're behind the the scenes a bit like you are as a drummer so i mean he i think your vocals were just The drums in the background is from Yukimi's headphones. Wow, the drums so the shake of them, or, or the, oh, no, mm-hmm. it's coming in through the headphone, right? So I think the at some point there must have been he added a simple drum beat, and uh, then he asked me if I could 
add real drums and so these are the real drums then uh, I think we were envisioning some sort of thing like a little it's almost like a little swing beat if there wasn't no kick or snare it would be You know. And it's also played the whole way through, which is one of those things that's been important for us that you don't just It's a one take sort yeah, of with right. one take of drums, even one though it's, take of yeah, bass. even though it's the same thing over and over again, it's played and it's those little flaws um yeah. that, that give it life. And I think these days when you can program everything and just copy paste, copy paste, yeah. um, you can get a little bit lost in that perfection. And I think for us, you know, listening to um, a lot of music that inspired us that is more organic, like Jimi Hendrix or, you know, yeah. um, James Brown or whatever, you just uh, want the music to, um, no matter how electronic it is, have that organic life in it mm. where it's not completely perfect because it just gives it soul. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And most of the times I feel like when sometimes we program as well and what you're after is the the organic touch and you realize the quick solution is to actually play play it. Try to be as tight as possible, but there will always and play be play through flaws. the whole yeah. song. <laughs> yeah. Even if you can it's copy a quick paste. fix if you wanna lively up something yeah <laughs> play it yourself yeah you know. yeah but that is a great point because you know if you if we think of little dragon as uh, an electronic band the band part is the important thing yeah, it's yeah the yeah. fact that you are a band of musicians playing together that makes mm. your music sound the way it does not just the electronics the electronic elements that you use those those instruments that give the the colors but it's because you're mm. all playing them as opposed to, say, a solo artist or solo producer who would be creating this, as you say, copy, paste, copy, paste, then asking somebody like right. Yukimi to come in and sing on top of it mm. or maybe even sing themselves. But it does mm, create yeah. such a different feel uh, to, yeah. to the music that, that you make and, and makes it, gets, it so more yeah. human, doesn't it? Yeah. Right. I mean, also in a band, you have friction. <laughs> we have tons of friction uh, in our band, in which... It really is a power mm. uh, at the end. Sometimes it can be painful to go through conflicts, but at the end of the day, I mean, social living is 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 the healthiest living, I suppose. Uh, you know, and you you learn so much in life in general. So I think when you make music in that way with individuals, sort of not always being in perfect sync, but it creates this more complex human organic touch mm. which is a, it's a beautiful thing to strive for for us i think yeah yeah i mean it's a, it's a hard kind of um balance i feel these days just trying to like um be as sort of uh true to the music and simultaneously i think especially for a lot of uh, new artists, you know, to really shine through and also, you know, having to play the part of the whole business aspect of, of what it means to release music and play that game because you kind of have to if you want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's inevitable. So it's like, you know, it may be not for your, if you've written music before uh, having a deal or something, you're obviously just in your headspace of making music. But once you have sort of a machinery around you, releasing it there there are so many aspects that can um 
affect the way you you think about writing or what you need. And yeah, you know, I mean, we've had times in the past where we've talked to somebody who said, like, well, do you want to be successful? And we're mm. like, well, yeah, absolutely. Do you want to play big arenas? Uh, yeah, absolutely, of course. But you know, for the cost of what? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and yeah. And so I think that it's some sometimes, uh, yeah. You, we keep ourselves grounded. I then guess. Then you have to play naked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take your clothes off and yeah. write a hook. The rest will follow. <laughs> the rest will follow. <laughs> Amazing. Um, this is such a great opportunity to get a feel and an understanding of the thought processes behind you as a group of people because often I think nice that, to hear. you know when, when you're doing interviews you know as part of a promotional process or a promotional um, diary or release schedule right. I mean it's great talking to people and it's fascinating to hear what they've got to say but you're caught up in talking about that and telling about the shows and saying right well and this song is going to be our next single and then you know and, mm, and right. building along as part of that whole trajectory whereas the great thing about this is that we get to take time out from any mm. uh, particular yeah. trajectory and just have a a chat about both how you create but also how you you view things which is revealed right. by yeah. how you create you know the two are interlinked aren't they you know yeah, you're not, right. you're, yeah. you're not going to be the kind of band who create music in the way that you do if if you weren't the kind of people that you are no no right. yeah yeah I think playing the script, you know, is kind of what you fall into. Like like what you were saying when you were in a release schedule. And so it says, how do you feel about your show? I feel great. I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you, you kind of say what's expected. And it can same thing can fall in all the different aspects of writing and stuff. And I think it's also, you know, I don't know. But we, we always sort of go back and forth and... In, in all these things where, you know, even making music, like, don't don't play it by the script, you know, don't always do what's expected. And that's even something that you have to tell yourself because you fall into patterns of, of what you usually do when you're in the studio or what you usually think about or, you know. So I think that's one of the most amazing, exciting things about writing and making music is that you get these moments to, like... Um, uh, be like, but who am I? <laughs> what am I doing? Like, why do I want to say that? And what is life? Yeah, <laughs> Stuff yeah, like that, yeah. which is very exciting. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're just sort of opening the tap and you don't analyze yourself in the creative flow. Then afterwards, it's time to reflect. So what do you mean about it? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't thought about that. It yeah. never crossed my mind. If If feelings could just be... And explain by themselves. But yeah, it was yeah. like something that we heard the other day. Somebody said, it's good to have a concept because the worst thing you say is the music speaks for itself. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going to be like, okay, well, then we, we don't have to write about you then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you realize after a while, like, wow, all these things are so important. Like people take in music with words and with uh, enthusiasm and with their eyes and mm. with colors and also with what they hear but mm -hmm. all those different things are part of a story and an image and an identity that reflects and bounces on them and mm -hmm. once you start thinking about all those things you get really confused about <laughs> life <laughs> <laughs> but also i think you realize that 
it can be hard to try to come with a concept and try to make sense in front of a journalist who's asking you what was in your head and blah, 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 blah. But you realize if you be kind to yourself and just be yourself, most of the time the answers is there for the journalist to ask. If you just start talking and you might feel in the moment that you're completely confused, but without realizing it, you are painting a picture of who you are and how you thought about it and how schizophrenic it can be also. It can be really from heaven to hell in a second. It could be a great amount of persistence, just us going to the studio day in and day out, no matter what. We have the most free job ever, but we turn it into a prison almost sometimes. We go here and we have to do it. And somebody asks, how do you feel about the music? The new music's coming. How do you feel about it? I, uh, I felt euphoric a year ago. Is that the answer? Or, you know, because that might be the true answer. How yeah. do you feel about it? I've been having it under microscope for too long. So my feelings are, they're gone. They're not important. No, mm. and yeah, <laughs> feeling, you know, but somehow that we, we talk a lot about this also, how feelings are, feelings are just feelings. They're, your own feelings. How they don't have to eat you up. But I think that's one of the things when you're making music too, you take it so personally. If somebody yeah. have some criticism. Yeah. Yeah. So we're still, we're still. We're learning. We're you're learning. sensitive artists, you know. Yes. yes. <laughs> sensitive. Really people. sensitive. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm only human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, before we move on, is there anything else yeah. about Crystal Film that we, we, we need to know? Yeah, well, one thing that we always been fighting uh, against uh, because of where the studio is located, we have all tram lines in the whole city passing by two meters away from our window. So, of course, there is the cables with electricity is sort of mounted on the wall of this building. So we will always pick up very weird humming. And on crystal film... For some reason, something was accidentally recorded. The humming, this one. Wow. So that's from the hum of the wires and outside your window. This is the hum of the wires and that other one. And it's kind of a nice, eerie, droney, meditative um, it is. sound. Yeah. yeah. And I that, could fall asleep to that. Sound. Yeah, and that that one can come in and out as trams pass by. So <laughs> even though you don't see them because it's you're completely locked into your music, you still hear the people are passing hey, by the, going to work. All <laughs> the mistakes in the world can be the biggest vibes. Yeah, yeah. So never underestimate those uh, sort of slips. Yeah, that add vibe. Exactly. Okay. And so how does we that fit into the track? I mean, it, 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 well, it, the whole track starts with that humming right. uh, sound yeah. and so that's the sound we hear right just, at the beginning of the song and you leave it through yeah. the whole the whole thing. No, no. it would just no. it would just fade out sort of like it does here mm -hmm. and that's where uh kind of faded in the yeah. riff and off we went. Uh we added the drums, the acoustic drums, but we somehow felt that it would be cool to... We triggered the drums with 
electronic sounds, so they ended up sounding like this. A little bit more 808 uh, sounding. Yeah. Uh, I think, and I think at this point we were we added things that made sense rather than spoiling the this very fragile atmosphere with only the riff and Yukimi's vocals. And mm. lately, I mean, at the end, of course, Mr. Hawkan uh, embraced us with some of the. This is again a very fairy tale sound that Hawkan added. The woods, the beard. The, yeah, the woods and the beard came in. <laughs> <laughs> it would, as a kind of quick recap, it would be great to hear the track built up by, by part, if possible. Yes, we could make it happen. Uh, here we go, this is the, the original riff. Then we added bass. It's a little a backbeat. And then we took the we added the drums sounding like And then, of course, Yukimi's vocals. Yeah, that's that's basically the ingredients. Yeah, of Crystal Film. Fantastic, and of course the the wonderful organic quality of the wires for the trams no yeah, uh, yeah exactly <laughs> yes amazing <laughs> fantastic um thank you for breaking down these tracks in this way um, i'm going to turn yeah. now to some questions from listeners to the take notes podcast but before that we have a few um repeating questions that we like to ask all our interviewees to kind of see mm. how that contrasts with other people so what piece of advice would you give to any aspiring musician or producer? Any particular advice? I have well, one. Yeah, Eric, you go. Too I much. would say, I mean, if you like music, you want to make music, you want to be a musician, just keep being that. You know, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. If I didn't have any band, if I couldn't make a living out of music, I would still be a musician at heart. I would still play drums in the kitchen with my cutlery you know i would mm. uh, you know never ever give up or doubt that uh, music can be in so many different ways and i feel like we we started our first album yesterday but actually it was a long time ago and we just kept going we never doubted that uh, it couldn't be possible it will, it will always be a fight to it but just keep going i, I think, think also in the sense that you know people always can ask and people still ask me doesn't annoy me anymore but do you live off of your music it seems very important in sweden to know if you live off of your music because then you're legitimate then you're actually worth you know maybe second question about that same thing but I think that um, if you are an artist and you feel like you have something to say, that's who you are. Don't let those sort of norms uh, in society, like you're only a real artist if you earn a living from it. 
mm-hmm. I mean, that can be very stressful. And of course, who doesn't want to earn a living on it? But at the same time, uh, don't let that pressure of that identity sort of stress you out. You know, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I usually think that if somebody says, no, I stopped making music, and you never really started. You know what I mean? Because I think that uh, it's something that you just can't stop if that's what you do it's it's who you are it's almost like a in your physique somehow you know so it's a curse yeah it's a curse and a blessing yes in a more straightforward vein um is there one plug-in or piece of kit you really love that you can't live without Mm. plug-in i really like uh, we run Cubase. Uh, that's how we record things. And on an old Cubase from like 2003 or something, there was a, a fuzz plugin, like a distortion plugin called Quadrafus. And it's probably terrible, but to me, it's, it will always follow me wherever I go. Quadrafus from Cubase. Right. That's good. People will be frantically searching for that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When writing, do you consider how a song will translate live or do you not worry about that? Uh, most of the time we don't worry about it, but I think that when you start getting sort of more close to finishing off an album, that's where kind of that thought hits you like, oh yeah, we're going to have to play this live. So maybe usually when we sort of pick um, out of all the songs that we've made, um, we tend to sort of also consider which ones we look forward to playing live. Mm. Um and how that would be so maybe not you know 10 ballads yeah <laughs> yeah i mean you did say you would you also did bear in mind that you were doing yourselves a favor uh the simpler right things yeah. were exactly uh, put together yeah, exactly then realistically you're actually going to be able to do that um without having right. to worry about all the, the mini symphonies you've layered up um, exactly do you mix your own work or do you get somebody else to do the mixing We've done both, actually. Mm. Um, for mm. Ritual Union, I think it was... We mixed ourselves. Yeah, mixed ourselves. First <coughs> album was not mixed at all. It was just demos that mm-hmm. were released. And um, Machine Dreams was mixed by a guy in, in Malmö. Yeah. Um, and Nabuma Rubber Band was mixed by Jason Joshua in Los Angeles. So, yeah, and yeah. Season had, High was mixed by James, James Ford. James Ford. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we had our latest uh, EP mixed by... Dilip, Dilip Paris, Dilip Paris, in in the UK. So yeah, we've we've kind of done both. We appreciate also both, but I think that in the big picture, mixing a whole album yourself um, can be a bit stressful. Yeah, mm. yeah, and I mean you've spent <laughs> hours and hours trying to get to that point. Anyway, you no, know, it's uh, yeah, yeah, it's... hours and hours writing a song, and then hours and hours mixing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's when you start hating your own music. Yeah, that's when you wake up singing the songs in your sleep. Yeah. As a nightmare dream. <laughs> yes, <laughs> as a nightmare. So over to the listener questions. Uh, Claire from Anglesey wants to know about Brush the Heat and what did you use to create that screeching top part and how do you end up playing that live? Hmm, we used, uh, that's a, a Roland GX8P. I think the sound is called pipe or something. <laughs> like it's uh, some weird church pipe organ trying to be at least. Uh, somebody in the 80s tried to make a church organ sound. Yeah. 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 It's yeah, great. I love the yeah. fact that you have that. Um, the, the, 
the actual serial uh, number of the instrument. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. JX8P. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hinako from Hackney uh, wants to know, on Ritual Union, what were your synths of choice when writing that particular track, especially for the incredible glidey swells at the end of phrases? Yeah, yeah so that is the Roland D50. The actual sound is called D50 Voices, like a choir. Yeah. And then we just press, there's a simple quick button you can press where it creates a portamento, meaning that it glides from one note to another. So that's why it's, it was meant to sound maybe, if you didn't press portamento, it would be ba, but if you press portamento, it will slide down to the next key, bo, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah yeah a great effect <laughs> yeah excellent yeah. um well I, i'm gonna leave it there and let you go um oh. and uh, enjoy the rest of, of what remains of the day in gotham yeah yes. thank you um, thank you so much and i, I think this. we'll play out with crystal film uh to round things mm. off um yukimi and eric thank you so much for spending your thank time thank you um great thank to you. No, this was lovely Fantastic, yeah, really lovely. And uh, yeah, great to reach yeah. out in this way. Now, isn't the modern world nice? <laughs> yeah, it is. I must say it really is. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, see you soon, hopefully. Yeah, I hope yeah. so too. And this is Little Dragon then with Crystal Film. If you've enjoyed this episode, there are a number of different ways to help support the podcast. You can subscribe and leave us a review, spread the word by telling your friends about us, but most importantly, you can donate. Head to our website, click on Donate, and give whatever you fancy. I'm John Kennedy. Thanks for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Shadows of the sky.